This is Doris Gilman, editor and publisher of Health Thought Leaders one-to-one blog and podcasts. On the blog and through the podcasts, you'll learn about innovations that advance the business of healthcare and clinical practice. As president of Be Seen, Be Heard Incorporated, I help health thought leaders express and find channels for their ideas, capabilities, and solutions. This podcast is titled Technology That Levels the Playing Field for Independent Physicians with John Squire, the President and Chief Operating Officer of Amazing Charts, an ambulatory EHR software developer. John has more than a quarter century of software experience with 12 years of those years in healthcare. John's background includes working for Microsoft and IBM. In an earlier popular podcast on EHR Health Thought Leaders one-to-one that continues to get downloads, we published How to Get the Best Healthcare in a Broken System. In the podcast, Dr. Cynthia Haynes passionately expresses going into private practice to have her own business and attend to patients as an independent physician, not to become a hospital or health system employee or member of a group practice. So, John, I start by asking, is the independent physician in solo or small practice running his or her own business a dying breed? Will we continue to have more than half of physicians in business for themselves five years from now? Hi, Doris. And first, thanks for having me. Um, to answer your question, I, I think it's still an open question at this point. If you look at the numbers, if you look at, for example, where recent medical school graduates are placing themselves, clearly the trend is towards a large practice or becoming an employee of a, uh, of a health system. And that has certain personal advantages, but it, it also over time has, I think, disadvantages. Uh, at Amazing Charts, we're w- witnessing at least the beginning of a counter-trend. The counter-trend is employees of health systems then leaving and branching out to go on their own. They contact us because they want to get an EHR that's inexpensive and easy to use. Almost universally, they they despise the system they were using at the large health at the large health system and want something different. So that's the only reason why this trend is, is visible to us. So we see both uh, happening. I think if you just looked at the top-line numbers, you would say, yeah, um, uh, the private practice is going away. But if you dig a little bit deeper, I think that you're going to see this counter trend. And it'll be interesting to see how that plays out over time. Well, what drives these uh, the special breed of physicians to resist being bought out? You know, that's a good question. And, and in this role, I've come to uh, uh, know and admire many uh, individual practitioners, including, by the way, my sister, who happens to be one. Um, and uh, I think there's a number of factors there. I think um, uh, the, the people who leave the large healthcare systems talk about having somebody look over their shoulders, having to double document everything, having to follow a standard operating procedure manual that's as thick as the phone book things like that, and it's if you cut to it, it would be, you know, I'm working for a big company. That's not what I signed up for when I went to medical school. I think more than that, I think there's an emotional connection to the patient, and really, I would say, delivering care in a personal way um, where you are getting to know individuals, getting to know families, and you see the same people all the time, and you're not being swapped out or maybe moved to a different location or maybe being reassigned a different patient population. 
And I, I think physicians that want to practice for themselves really have that emotional connection to patients. And honestly, I think that's very valuable. Well, do you think that uh, these entrepreneurial physicians are going to be able to make a good living and still be able to uh, remain committed to independent primary care practice? Uh, that's a good question. Um, I do, and I do it mainly because I'm a technology guy, and I see technology helping them uh, to be able to do that. Um, and there's a number of ways technology can play a role, um, but uh, I see more and more technology taking the burden off of their shoulders and um, handling things for them that they, they might not otherwise be able to do. And really, if you think about it, it's technology that did things like let a small, you know, niche retailer compete against Walmart online. Uh, you know, before that, you, you look at the small downtown retailers and say they're all going to go away and it's going to be, it's going to be a, a, a world full of Walmarts and, and super big box stores. Tell me a little bit more about how technology will level the playing field. What do you see ahead for physicians who choose to remain as solo or small practice um, practitioners? Yeah, so I mean, I think it links back to your first question, which is what are the advantages of being in a big you know, hospital system or a large practice that a small guy doesn't have? And if you look at technology for the answers, they can help lay, you know, level that playing field, to use your term. Um, I would I would look at at least five areas that I'd enumerate, and I'll, I'll give you a quick example if I can on on these. But so um, they would be productivity, um, getting through more patients in a day, and doing more with less. Um, the second would be um, dealing with the regulatory guidelines. Um, the third would be financial and um, reimbursement, making sure that I'm getting paid top dollar for the work that I'm doing, and that believe me is a particular sore spot with independent physicians. Um, the fourth would be a new trend we're seeing in team-based care. And the fifth area to point out would be patient outreach or patient engagement. These are all areas where technology is basically a big undelivered promise at this point. And I think um, in all these areas, if you look at productivity, for example, there's a lot to be gained, not just from a, a more efficient, easy-to-use EHR system, but if you take a real simple example, when patients are showing up at the office with all their insurance information filled out and their family history filled out because they did it all online, uh, that's less office staff for a doctor to have, and they can get through more patients that way and get them checked in faster. The regulatory guidelines, um, because of, uh, the, uh, of me uh, meaningful, meaningful use, because of the Affordable Care Act, the number of documents and reports that a physician needs to file is going up and up and up, and clearly that's a case where technology can automate things. If you can just hit a button and a report gets sent off to the regulatory agency, boom, you're done with that one. Financial reimbursements, you know, wouldn't it be nice if um, I can make sure that I can get the maximum reimbursement? So if you take an example like continuity of care visits, um, which is to make sure your patient gets transferred out of the hospital and into home care with no misses, which is a big big issue in cost, um, and that, that, that care maintains, there, that's an area that physicians can be reimbursed for at a high rate if they know how to do it, but there's very specific rules. You've got to have so many days, you have to contact the patient when they're discharged, you have to have a, a follow-up visit, then you have to have another follow-up visit within 28 days after that. 
Well, that's the kind of stuff that can all be programmed into a system and reminders and appointments set up in advance using technology. If you did that all manually, it would, it would drive you crazy and mm-hmm. take up the staff a lot of time. Um, if you look at team-based care, there you're talking about a cross-functional team, geographically dispersed, trying to come in and deal with uh, a patient's uh, care plan um, as though it was a single unit. Um, clearly, technology helps there, um, both with uh, maintaining a single source, source of the truth in a care plan, dealing with the geographic you know, disbursement, uh, and making sure that no balls get dropped between, uh, between specialists and between events. And then finally, on patient outreach or patient engagement, you know, this is the, the thing where you have a patient portal, and clearly there's benefits to, say, getting a prescription refilled, but I think the big benefit there is uh, it's, a re- uh, it's a chance for a physician practice to grow their revenue because they stay in front of the patient during that inner visit space and bring them back in uh, on a timely basis for all kind of health maintenance. And that alone grows a physician's revenue. So there's some concrete example across those five areas where I think technology can help. Well, I appreciate uh, giving examples for each of those five points. And, um, you know, you can clearly see that uh, there are added benefits by adopting technology, although, you know, it's, again, um, the learning curve that we're all presented with. So I want to turn to um, one of the interesting developments for Amazing Charts, which is its recent acquisition by PrimeMed, which is an accredited provider of continuing medical education for physicians. Can you tell us more about Amazing Charts' relationship with PrimeMed? Sure. So our relationship with PrimeMed is uh, Amazing Charts is a wholly owned subsidiary of of PrimeMed. PrimeMed, as you said, is a provider of CME, and they do that both at live conferences, and they do that uh, through their online site, uh, primed.com. And the uh, idea there is to, in, in, in a term, boil it down to prescriptive CME. Most physicians go to a, a, a continuing medical education conference. They show up, they look at the syllabus and say, well, I think I'll go to this session or that session. It's based on interest. It's based on um, the last few patients that they've seen. Uh, but would it be nice if it was based on the actual outcomes in their patient population and the gap of those outcomes versus the you know quality measures like HEDIS or NCQA? And so the idea of integrating a EHR into an education company is is precisely that: uh, allow a physician to analyze their patient population to analyze the actual outcomes on how they're doing on specific measures, like uh, for diabetics, their A1C measurements, for hypertensives, their blood pressure, and, and other medi- uh, cardiometabolic measures. And then based on those measures, recommend specific education. You know, here is the latest uh, uh, on both uh, insulin and non-insulin therapy for diabetics. Oh, your patient population is over 65. Here is the latest on uh, diabetics for geriatric population. And uh, here are the specific things you need to pay attention to. Um, Here's the last five journal articles on that subject. And oh, by the way, there's a CME event coming up in your city in three months, and here's the three sessions that you should sit in on on this topic. And so that's the idea is to... Uh, make it very prescriptive, make medical education much more meaningful 
to the individual physician uh, and allow them to consume that either online in their office or at the live events or, or both. Well, are you the only ones um, delivering that service? Uh, as far as I know, uh, it, it's, it, it's a very uh, specific strategy, you know, because of this marriage between an EHR company and a CME company. Uh, and I don't see many of those marriages on the landscape today. Well, we'll look forward to seeing developments on that front um, in terms of making suggestions and reminders and um, keeping physicians abreast of their educational needs and certainly getting the credits that they um, really must have to maintain their license. Is Amazing Charts offering its EHRs any continuing medical education pilot programs? Can you give us an update about what you're doing? Yeah, sure. So on that specific point, we have done a pilot with our EHR users with a subset of them. Uh, it happens to be around a diabetes because of the broad, uh, you know, the broad um, uh, application of that disease across the population. It's exactly what we've done. We've um, had them opt into a study. We've analyzed their patient data. We've turned that back to them in a scorecard, if you will, to let them know where they stand against specific quality measures. And then we've and we've let them, by the way, specify the range of what's acceptable. For example, for um, A1C, we've we've recommended specific education. In this case, online education against that. Uh, and then we've measured, you know, what have been the results. So what, what are their patient outcomes before the intervention of education and what are the patient outcomes post-intervention? First, the first thing we see is that we get, get a lot of appreciation from the physicians for seeing what their numbers actually are because most of them have a misperception that you know, 80% of their population is in guidelines. And when, you, when actually measured, it turns it's more like 65% of the population is in guidelines, or maybe maybe uh, 55 in some cases, but less than they thought. So that's the first thing, and they're, they're grateful for that. The second thing is the scorecard that they're getting is a private scorecard for their eyes only. And what they're used to getting today is a scorecard from their payers telling them it's usually accompanied by a nice note that says your outcomes are not in guidelines and if you don't improve your outcomes we're going to reduce your reimbursements so they're you know it's nice to have real data from their system not claims data and that it's for their eyes only and and if they want to they can use that to actually contradict what the payers are telling them so they're they're glad to get that and then the the third thing is the prescriptive CME that the education that's being recommended is specifically against the gaps in their patient population uh, and that they can consume it right in their office in an hour or two, pick up a couple of credits, and it's very applicable to the very patients they're going to see the next day. So we're getting a positive reaction from it, and that's why we're in the process of productizing that whole process and making it available to everybody. Then the EHR, we're just going to make it a differentiator for the EHR. Wow, that's really cool. Really good, because you know, going to a conference, paying the registration fee, um, taking out a week's, you know, several days of time, and all of that—it it just sounds such a cost-effective thing to do, and to just be able to sit in your office and, and to get it—I mean, it's really, really. Yeah, and then when you do take the time out, because people actually do like going to the conferences because they get to see their friends and they right. be in a good location and things. When you do do that. 
you're making it very worthwhile to your practice because you're only taking the courses that really apply to your patients. Mm-hmm. So, so that you come back to the office with, you know, a whole a host of things that you can do to immediately improve outcomes uh, versus, you know, taking courses that just sound interesting or right. you always wanted to know about this. Well, like that. that's really quite a development. Given that technology is increasingly accessible and affordable to small practices, it appears that independent physicians are adapting in different ways to technology to conserve their valuable time, staffing, and resources. At the same time, there are technology measures afoot to better serve patients, while some physicians will continue to make a living in a profession that they see more as a calling than as a job. So thank you, John Squire of Amazing Charts, EHR, for being my guest on EHR Health Thought Leaders One-to-One. This is Dora Skillman, editor and publisher of Health Thought Leaders One-to-One blog and podcast. Please leave your comments about this post and podcast at scene-herd.com backslash blog. Read the still current posts and listen to other podcasts on the blog listed in the right-hand column. Thank you for listening.